1: Campionato di calcio italiano.
3: Hello welcome along to the latest sports Italian football podcast the only Italian football podcast bringing you into the Serie A stadiums every single week watching teams get relegated watching teams fail to win the Scudetto we were at everything this weekend anyway I am your usual host Connor Clancy joining me is the now consistent Kev Pogazowski Kev hello
0: hi Connor how are
3: you uh don't try and play that card now just because the camera is rolling um, you're you're an absolute disgrace. I know you don't really care, so we won't pretend that you do. Um, Vito Vito Doria is also here. Vito, hello, hello.
4: Hi Connor. I'm feeling good for obvious reasons. So um, yeah, let's get chatting away. I didn't actually
3: ask how you were this week. I'm I'm protesting Vito, so I don't care if you're doing well or not. But okay, let's dive straight in because we could have seen the Scudetto one, We didn't. We could have seen. The to won again. We didn't. So, the Derby Lantana is the obvious place to start. Sampdoria, Rule, Geneva, again, Vito. Take it away.
4: Oh, beautiful. Well, the game finished 2-0, but uh, it was one of those games where we could have won by more, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, It was a really entertaining game, especially in the first half, and was pretty much full throttle for the first 10 or 15 minutes. Um uh, Grégoire De Frel opened the scoring with a uh, Quagliarella assist, and then uh, Quagliarella himself stepped up to take the penalty after Davide Biraski was sent off for a handball. But uh, yeah. general, the way they played, um, they had some possession, but it was rather predictable and futile, and probably their best chances came from uh, two long-range shots from uh, Miguel Veloso. I also felt that uh, Radu had a top game for... Genoa, and that probably stopped us from winning far more convincingly. Mm, it
3: could have been a lot uglier. And Kev, you described this as probably being the game of the weekend.
0: Yeah, I think from um, the action on the pitch as well as the action in the in the stadium, I think the, uh, the Derby de la Lantana never really disappoints. And it's just sort of right up there, I think. Mm.
3: We've both been to them in the past and I, I always describe it every time it's played as the best derby in Italy which 100% is that stadium lends itself to creating a really good atmosphere especially quite similarly to San Ciro it accommodates the, the TIFOs that the Ultras put on very very nicely because it's the, the square shape rather than the the circular thing so they can be a little bit more creative with what they do but yeah the the football kind of usually lives up to it and there was a red card as well but Good result for Samp. I mean, it was an important result given they were beaten by Atalanta in the last month. It's teams are dropping points around them, and they're still very much in the fight for Europe. Kev.
0: Yeah, absolutely. it will be. I'm really looking for this well, this weekend, particularly as I'm coming over to Italy. But uh, you know, with them facing Bologna, obviously in their own little battle down the opposite end of the table, um, it could be a really interesting contest uh,
3: down there. Um, Kev, where are you going to be on Saturday? Uh, Bologna, Sampdoria. Okay. Um, all right, we'll discuss this on fair, but I'm not part of my so maybe we could talk to him But Kev, or Vito, you must be happy with this. You must fancy your chances of at least battling until the last couple of rounds for Europe.
4: The battle seems to be lasting a bit longer than usual because the teams above us are squandering points, so it's a great time for us to capitalize on that. We haven't been fading away as badly as in the previous two seasons under Marco Giampaolo, but with Lazio losing to Aissimolan, Torino drawing to Cagliari at home, uh, I think it helps our cause a lot. And of course, uh, Atalanta not being able to get the victory um, this morning, Australian time that is, or late tonight, European time, uh, I think uh, that helps uh, us and with the six rounds remaining, uh, we really need to make the most of it if we are serious about getting into Europe.
3: Yeah, I was talking,
4: I stayed in Dov's place
3: last night in Milan because I couldn't get back to Parma from Verona, but I could get to Milan, so it made sense about this European race. And we both kind of thought that there are still plenty of t- twists and turns to come because everyone's just dropping points. And one thing that Sam Pav, Kev, is a goal scorer who just won't stop in Fabio Quagliarella. We spoke about him recently and you basically said that he's the worst player in the world and you hate him and he should never play for a football team again. But what do you think of him now?
0: I didn't quite say that now, Conor, <laughs> did I? I said there were, there were younger options for the uh, the Italian national side. No, I, I think exactly, particularly when you look at the two sides um, and you think that... Genoa lost Piontek earlier in the season. From there, their, their season died a death, whereas the form of Qualirella this year has, has really allowed Sam to push on into these latter stages of the season. Like Vito just said, it, they're kind of usually over. You know, their, their season sort of petered out a little bit, and with someone still rattling the goals at the rate that he is, that
3: um, they've got as good a chance as any as clinching a European place. Have Samp actually done anything better this year, though? Because they have lost two of the last three games. Or is it just a case of everyone else around them dropping points?
0: Um, No, I I think it's in that little pack behind probably even Milan in fourth. Everybody's been relatively consistent in comparison to each other. So I don't think it's it's so, so much a case of, the likes of Lazio or Roma. Obviously, Roma have dropped off from last season, but there's been a pack of clubs there that have, have all performed relatively similarly and Sampa in the past have, have generally sort of dropped off and, and fell away and they've just managed to maintain that this year, like you say, probably through the goals that they're uh, they're able to produce from their, their ageing frontman.
1: Hmm.
3: All right, we'll, we'll move on. We will go to the first of the games I was at this weekend, which was Juventus B against Spal, where the title should have been decided in Ferrara. Juve just needed a point. They went 1-0 up through moyes Ken, And, remarkably, they lost. Well, I say remarkably. It was so obvious they weren't going to win this game. For for most of the first half, Spal dominated. And I tweeted when I saw the team lineups that Spal are going to win. And then as soon as Spell equalised, uh, I tweeted again, I Spal Spall win incoming because they were bossing it. And Allegri's decision to play a lot of his kids has been criticised a bit, Vito. I'm not sure what you think about this, but he was playing teenagers who have never seen a Serie A pitch before. And... I think Sinisa Mihailovic was one of those to come out and condemn what he did. He said, I think is exact what it was I don't like what Allegri did. But people have said that he's kind of almost offering these teams an out. So Spa are effectively safe now. And is that fair on the likes of Bologna and those teams around them? Is it Allegri's business what the other teams do?
4: It is on film. On Bologna, and I can understand why Mihalovic would feel that way. But ultimately, Allegri doesn't need to care about Mihalovic's cause. He has to focus on his own priorities. In my belief, I, I reckon that Allegri has pretty much earned the right to play at these kids because they have a very comfortable lead in the Serie A race. And the priority should be Europe. So they've got the IX game, which is going to be played Tuesday night European time. And it's better to have the best players available for the IX game than just to worry about keeping a Serie A CDR game as competitive as possible. I reckon this is a good time to give the kids a chance too so they get the taste of Serie A action instead of uh, doing it when they have just a... A one or two point lead. It's there's no chance now, realistically, of Napoli catching up. So I think uh, Allegri or any other coach in that position can give the kids a go. What do you reckon, Kev? Does does he owe it to the
3: the integrity of the competition of Serie
0: A? I think there's an element of of that, and we've seen in recent weeks that you've have played weakened sides in you know inverted commas but there's also been a fair amount of experience on the pitch. I think when you go with such a youthful side, it does show an element of disrespect. And also from a personal point of view, I don't think it actually benefits the, the young players that you're throwing in because particularly if they, if they lose like they did at the weekend, what are they gaining from that? Really? It's, you want to, you want to integrate a young player into the team, a little bit like Moses Ken has previously around more experienced players. So they can actually learn, you know, and actually feed off of that, um, you know, win effectively. Whereas you just throw a lot of youngsters in, they lose a game against a a, a Syria and they must, they must go back even knowing that, you know, the league's wrapped up, but they don't care. Half of them haven't played enough games. I imagine to get a, to get a, a league winner's medal. So what do they do? They go back to their homes that night thinking, are we actually good enough at this level? And it's only because of the, the overall quality and experience of what they're playing with. So, you know, what do they
3: benefit from it? I'd agree with that. I wrote in my um, post-match thing that it's not going to do them much good to to go to Ferraro and get beaten by Spa for their confidence. And then Allegri was quite strange in the press conference afterwards because he, he started saying things like, I'm not sure if these guys have a future at Juventus. But trying to be complimentary about them at the same time, and I just kind of thought, this isn't the time for that. Like, You are probably not going to be there for too much longer. If you're there next season, it will be a surprise to a lot of people. Just say, yeah, they've got great futures in the game. He said, I'm not sure if they can do it here, but they definitely have futures as footballers because they're with us now. And Mm. I just... It was such a bizarre way to, to approach that. It's
0: kind of, kind of a tough love approach when there doesn't need to be one.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You may have the, the title sewn up, all but mathematically. And he just comes out saying things like this. He, he should be praising their attitudes and things. I just thought it was so strange. And I don't know what he thought he was going to get from it because some of these kids might not play again between now and the end of the season. So their one experience of Serie A football was to play, and then for the manager to kind of have a go at them afterwards.
0: My Which, my concern, if I was a Juventus fan, would be: Does this show that, that Allegri is really worried about the Ajax second leg? Because before the first leg, he didn't rest that many players when he could have done exactly the same. Although they did have Milan, didn't they? But anyway, but you know, I'd. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just
3: question why he felt the need to rest so many before that second leg. Yeah, I'm looking at, we've got a few people popping up in the comments already. Doria Boy, who I should say, on Twitter, on the podcast, he's probably fourth Italian Football's biggest reader and listener to the podcast. The guy's just always on it as soon as something new goes up, so shout out to him. But he, he reckons there's nothing wrong with playing a week inside, and he makes the point that Mihailović wouldn't have been complaining if it was against Bologna that Juve made all of those changes, which is a fair point. Allegri kind of said something funny, though, that it was because his players were so, so tired, because they got back from Amsterdam on Thursday and then left for Ferrara on Friday. He said, well, these guys put in a better performance than the first-teamers would have. I just thought, it's definitely not true, is it? Because then you look at Napoli the next day, and they went full strength, but we'll, we'll get on to them. And Giuseppe comes in and says, when someone eventually beats Juve and claims the Scudetto for themselves, will this Juve team be remembered as Il Grande Juve? Vito, what do you think?
4: No. <laughs> uh, for, you, for this Juventus to be a Grande Juve, it's got to be about doing something in Europe. And uh, this team, to me, does not compare to Trapattoni's Juventus which managed to win all the three major European trophies available in that era. So they won the Cup Winners' Cup, UEFA Cup and the Old European Cup. And this is no match for Lippi's Juve, which actually bet Ajax on penalties in 96. So no no European trophies, no Grande Juve.
0: Gab, do you go along with that? Well, you know I don't. You read a piece on, yeah. Well, let's
3: not go too much into that because we'll we'll get into that a little bit more depth once the title has been wrapped up. But no,
0: yeah, and I disagree with you uh, with Vito really that the the European trophy is is what would make this uh, a great Juventus side. I, I still don't think it is. I think it's it's too pedestrian all over the pitch, just compared to the the sides that they've had in the last uh, sort of eight total winning seasons and there is just this overall reliance to look for ronaldo to bail them out at the moment i think some of the players whether consciously or subconsciously feel that they've you know they look for him too often because they've bought this this superstar that has been purchased to
3: help bring that european trophy well the european trophy forget about cristiano ronaldo mate it's all about boys can he scored again, and, I should say, before I forget, he was taken off in Ferrara after not doing particularly all that much. I mean, he took his goal well and he did well in spells, but I really liked that the majority of the Paolo Mazza applauded him off, with a lot of people even standing up to applaud him off. And at first, I kind of just instinctively thought, "Oh, these are just UBay fans everywhere, but there were people in spell shirts and spell scarves standing up and doing it which after the couple of weeks he's had, I think was a really, really nice touch. And those who did that deserve a lot of credit for that. Cause you wouldn't get that in a lot of places in Italy, but fair play to the Spal fans on that one. Uh, but Vito can scored again. It was a well-taken goal. And surely he's in a position now where he should be expecting to play against Ajax.
4: I reckon he should be. He's had a good uh, month or so. And, uh... I think with his latest emergence, it just gives you just another attacking outlet and they've already got enough options as it is. Even if he doesn't start, at least Allegri knows that he's got someone that can make a difference, even if it's for the last 20 or 30 minutes of the match.
3: Kev, would you would you have Ken in your starting 11 if you were Massimiliano Allegri in Turin on Tuesday?
0: I think you would do, just on form. But I do think that they're all everything's directed towards playing with Ronaldo as the focal point. So I just can't see it happening.
3: Mm. It is a tough one. But his goal was it was very, very well taken. I'm um, still
0: trying to decide whether it was intentional.
3: I think it was. I've I, I've only seen replays after the match. So at the Palomata, they don't have little TVs in the press, but which is a bit annoying. But it looked from his movements at the time that it was. The way yeah. he just... It was one motion, the way he started going that way, turned his body, and I thought he deserves a lot of credit for that because if the ball was coming from 20 yards away, that's a difficult finish to execute. The fact that it was coming from so close at such pace, I think it was just...
0: That's what makes me wonder whether he was trying to sort of trap it on his instep to take another touch, but it was coming at so fast, he sort of, he shaped it. I've not, seen any, I've not seen a replay slow enough to decide whether you can see where he's... His head looks before the ball arrives, but it's just so quick that you, you know, you maybe never tell.
3: Yeah, yeah give him I just, guess.
0: just give him the credit on the
3: benefit of the doubt. This is it, and he's in such a good run of form at the moment as well that it's kind of hard to think that maybe he didn't mean it. So he's had a bad time. Let's give it to him, Kev. Don't be so yeah, negative. Come on. Um, on that then, UVI Kev. Do you give them a chance? Obviously, they're quite well placed to go through, but they're favourites, right?
0: Yeah, their favourites because they're at home. Um, I think it's gonna it's a bit of a cliche, but I think it's crucial he gets the first goal. Um not that I think Ajax could necessarily shut up shop if they got the uh the first, but I think Juve could panic a little in trying to chase an equaliser and Ajax could pick them off. They were they were very impressive with the ball in the second
3: half in the um, Amsterdam arena on Wednesday night. Yeah, you'd imagine that Juve will just want to keep the ball for as long as possible because if Ajax have it for any period of time, they can cause real damage. I know Frankie de Jong went off injured at the weekend, but I think the latest is that he is going to be featuring Inter in. So that's a, a big boost for them because he's a fantastic player. We saw what he can do at the Bernabeu earlier in the season. So maybe he can produce a little bit of magic again. Vito, what, what do you reckon? Who goes through?
4: Uh, well, I believe Juve will go through. Uh, it's just more or less based on the individual quality. Although Ajax do it better as a whole than some of the parts, and it's been a fantastic run for Ajax. But I think uh, when you got players that Juve have got, and they're in, a, they're still in a good form as compared to Real Madrid, who have shown signs of decline this season. So I think Juve can do the business as long as they keep looking for goals. If they let Ajax have the ball, then the Dutch have a chance of getting a result for themselves. Over to Spal then, 35 points for the season,
3: six clear relegation, level on points with Palma, two behind Sassuolo. They're well in contention now to be the the top team in Emilia-Romagna by the end of the season. And they've won four of their last five games, Kev.
0: Yeah, and they, they, they hadn't picked up a win at home for quite a while and I'll it, tell think, you mate,
3: it was since September and then I was there when Claudio Ranieri and Roma rocked up and they pumped them.
0: Yeah, so it's back to back home victories, I think, which seemed to spark this resurgence and and yeah, they look they look clear now with Chievo and Frosnone both losing after a little bit of a, a pick me up. So yeah, they should uh, they should finish the season quite strongly.
3: Yeah, well I've always been quite fond of spa so it would be nice for them to stay up and Paolo Mazza is behind San Siro, my favourite place to watch football in Serie so it's nice to be keeping them up there. Um, they are now ahead of Genoa as well, which will bring a little smile to the face of Vito Doria. Anyway, to the other team who I saw this weekend, which was Napoli, they relegated Chievo at the Stadio Marcantonio Bentagodi in Verona. This is my first time at the Bentagodi and it was... Dove asked me how it was, and my initial response was, it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be. It, it's quite a nice place to watch football, you know. Um, just a shame about the the lack of atmosphere. But this isn't Kievos fault. We'll start with Kievo because they are gone after an 11-year stay in Serie A. And I don't like the fact that people are celebrating Kievos relegation, because I think people have a, a problem with them for no great reason Kev the flying donkeys have crashed to earth are you sad to see them go
0: yeah in a way because I think you um you you have to praise people with uh, limited resources and w- what they've done over the years that they've been in in Syria you know not always pretty but you know they they've brought us some some interesting moments over the years um obviously people sometimes point towards the the way that the club is maybe run is the reason why they are happy to see them go down. But uh but no, it is a shame in its own little way.
3: Yeah, I think it is because this is a they're such a small team. Forget the the way it's run. The supporters of that team. Because it's effectively a suburb of a town outside Verona. And they've been in Serie A for eleven years. They got to the Champions League third qualification round the it's an amazing story i think it's it really is and to see them go down i know it's nice to kind of change things up a little bit especially if we get a couple of southern teams up for next season it's always nice to get that little bit of diversification
4: well i'll quite miss them you know vito I'll i'm gonna play the variables advocate here and uh Look, the reason I would say I'm glad that the down is that it's more that I think it comes to the point with these small clubs, sometimes they might not have enough financial resources to last and it could be detrimental to the whole survival and all that. But more than anything, it's just if we compare Kiev of this 11 year spell compared to when they first got promoted back in 2001, 2002. Um, They've played some very dour football, relied on veterans. And to me, it's the antithesis of uh, not how I see football, but also I think what Italian football should be becoming. Uh, to me, they represented the old values. Whereas the teams of, say, 2001 to 2007, they played to attack. They had players that punched above their weight. And that's when they got into the Champions League qualifying round and got into the UEFA Cup because they exceeded expectations by being more progressive and uh, they got some really impressive results. That being said though, um, look, I really don't want them to keep going down, down and down, but uh, I think maybe a few years in Serie B might give them a chance to sort of rejuvenate the squad uh, and have a look of where they should be going in the long term. Should they make another push to be in Serie A for a third spell or should they assess their finances and just focus on keeping the books as balanced as possible and bring in some of the youth academy products. I think step one has to be to just ensure
3: long-term survival, right? Because it's such a strange case because anyone around Verona will play for Hellas coming up as a kid because they are the team there. They're a bigger yeah. club than Kievo. So it's hard to know what they do because they don't have money. They don't have the the name in the region. So, I don't know. But, yeah, it it could be a really, really slippery slope for them. You really hope it's not. Because we've seen teams in recent seasons just fall and fall and fall and fall. But, yeah, let, let's hope that it, it doesn't happen for the Flying Donkeys and they can return. Napoli then, Kev. They took the opposite approach to Juventus. They surprisingly, actually, played with their their strongest team. Milik, Mertens and Insignia all started. And they played some really, really nice stuff. They did win 3-1 and probably should have been more.
0: Yeah, it should have been more. They're so wasteful in front of goal. And I wouldn't be surprised if they played their, whatever you want to call it, the first string, because Ancelotti wanted to punish them for how poor they were on Thursday night. I watched the game against the Arsenal. And so many of the players just had a really sort of under-par evening. They were sloppy with their passing. They were giving the ball away. And it just, the mind boggles. It's like in between that that game in the Europa League, they, they, well, again, they were wasteful against Genoa the weekend before. And you just can't understand how they had such a poor performance at the
3: Emirates. Yeah, but this is this is them, isn't it? It's such a strange thing. Ancelotti said in his his press conference afterwards, he was in quite funny form. Actually, he kept pretending that he was angry and then laughing about things, and with his eyebrows, it's it's quite intimidating. But he he was he was in fun form. He kept saying that it's a it's nothing to do with their physicality. The players are in immense shape physically, and that's why he played them all. But it's more about their mentality. And with Napoli, you believe it. There just seems to be this mental block whenever they play teams in Europe, particularly English teams, where they just can't do it. And Fido, what is the problem?
4: Well, on the basis of what we saw against Arsenal, I just Arsenal easily pressured uh, Napoli, and uh, Napoli they just couldn't uh, cope. It wasn't like it was a fantastic press set up by Unai Emery, but just a little bit of pressure, they just wasted so many passes. With the second goal, I was surprised that Fabian Ruiz gave away the ball because he's been rather reliable for Napoli this season. And for the goal before that, most of it came through Arsenal's right or inside right channel, and that's Napoli's left. And Mario Rui, I don't get what Ancelotti sees in him, but he is a weak link in that Napoli side. So, I think with the second leg he's got to use Fauzi Gulam because even if Gulam's not the best defensively, he will contribute far more going forward.
3: I agree with you on Rui, but it, the Gulam thing's a problem because he's quite clearly just not the player he was, even who size the same. When they were both on it together that season, they were they were brilliant. But this year, they've just not quite been themselves. So we've seen Malqui take over on the right and Rui play on the left. And every time I see Rui play, he leaves me thinking that he's not good enough. But then when you see Gulam, he's quite clearly not the player that we all remember as being either. But Kev they did get the win here. And they'll take some confidence into Thursday night at the Stadio San Paolo. And Ancelotti is going all guns blazing saying that it's going to be a special night they're confident of a comeback and it's a brave move
0: i think it would be i think it would be different if it was a one goal margin i think he might have been more pragmatic but they've got two goals to recover if arsenal score a goal obviously they've got an even bigger hill to climb and i think there's an element of if you try and uh, well i was there when he took um Napoli to Anfield earlier in the season where they only needed one goal. And I think that meant that they they went they went about it fairly cautiously. But it's hard then if you start if you start with that sort of cagey um approach to the game to then sort of get the players up into a you know a higher gear and I think if you just I think if he just goes out to go flat out, all guns blazing, I think mean, it it's probably an easier an easier starting point than trying to take it a little bit too carefully.
3: Yeah, well, he, he was saying that they, they need to attack, but they need to attack intelligently because if if they concede, it's done. They're not going to score four mm. goals, so you can forget about that. And Arsenal will be dangerous in the counter-attack as well. But I should also say, actually, in a, in the press conference, Domenico De Carlo came in, and the first thing he said, I'm not even sure if I heard him be asked the question, he just started apologising to the Kiev fans and the president for getting them relegated. And I felt really sorry for him. Um, he was asked a question by a couple of journalists and he was told by his press officer to stop his answers in the middle of them. He, he wasn't happy. And then as he was leaving, the, he let the press officer go out of the room and then he called the two journalists aside and spoke to them for about 10 minutes explaining everything they wanted to know, which I thought was a really nice touch. He struck me as quite a nice guy. So I've got a lot of time for him. Hopefully he can find himself a job if he gets the boot at okay, but hopefully he stays there and takes him back up. What's next? Okay, guys, the Serie A scandal of the weekend came at the Stadio San Siro, where two footballers celebrated a win. Milan beat Lazio 1-0. A Cherby in the week said that Lazio were a stronger team. Timo Bakayoko replied on Twitter to say, see you on Saturday, and a nice little smiley face. Milan won. Bakioko and Kessie got his shirt and they held it up in front of the, the Curva Suit celebrating and people lost their minds and it just it's one of those moments where you think there's really no fun allowed in football anymore Fido is there? We're, we're not allowed to be happy about things
1: hmm.
4: Political correctness has gone out of control in this, in this world now, it's unbelievable there's so many snowflakes around just but, check my head in.
3: I saw uh, a well-respected Italian journalist say that this was Italian football reaching a new low. <laughs> I don't know where to begin.
4: I know the tweet that you're referring to. And, uh, yeah, my tweet responding to that got quite a few <laughs> likes. That bit. But, yeah, I definitely disagree with the, with the comments that uh, Tancredi Palmieri made. And, yeah, I just think it was more just a bit of banter, a bit of joking around. And at the and this is my philosophy in life. If you're going to be making jokes or even dishing out insults, you've got to be able to take that in return. So if uh, Francesco Acerbi is feeling bitter or upset, and he has been because of what uh, Frank Cassian and Timura Bakayoko have done, then I think he's got only himself to blame.
3: Yeah, but a doesn't seem to care. He he released his own little comments afterwards to say, "Fair enough, we'll see you in the Coppa Italia semi-final or something along those lines." And Kev, this is this is fine, isn't it? I think
0: um, I think there are cases when this could be slightly disrespectful. However, I think you've got to take into account the reaction of the players. You know, the the, the smiley face uh, emoji on the on on the on the Twitter uh, exchange, to actually be able to just understand that they are a modern niche. Trying to think how old a Cherby is, generation and and you know and this is all it is meant for. It's just you know poking fun at each other. It, a Cherby, surely when he hands his shirt over knows that you know that something's going to happen with it for whatever or at least that they're taking it as a little bit of a a scalp, if you like from the the victory after the uh, the Twitter exchange and I think everybody should just accept that that's what it is it's just some modern footballers having bants. <laughs> yeah
3: it's true people people like to have fun a thirty one so he's not he's not quite your age Kev. so he's closer to my generation than yours um so yeah, I'm sure he understands the situation and he started it by saying. That Lazio were the stronger team, so I'm sure he'll just kind of go back to the Olympico with his tailors between his legs and accept I,
0: it. I think the problem with this is um, fans are very tribal, and they like to think that they like to think that obviously all players hate each other. You know, if you're playing for the opposition, and I saw, I kind of saw this firsthand at times where there was a large contingent of Brazilian players in the northwest playing for rival sides in Manchester and in Liverpool. And particularly with the increase in social media in the last few years, fans would lose their mind over these South Americans celebrating birthdays and things together. Mm. You know, oh, you know, you play for
3: Roma. How can you have dinner with a Lazio player? You know, it's... But should that not, should those people not be happy with this? Because it's Milan fans or Milan players annoying an opposition player.
0: Oh, well, yeah, exactly, but but the fans just they people just want something to be annoyed about. I suppose is the the the, the angle that I'm going for there. It's just people There's want a lot people, of that around. People like to be incensed at the moment for well for a variety of
3: reasons. the The problem with social media is that it gives it gives everyone's voice weight, you know, and that can be an amazing thing, but also a terrible thing because. No. Yeah, Even the most so- ridiculous opinions just build, game ground and become like a news story then.
0: I'm sure there's several Lazio fans that don't want to accept that a Cherby probably had a little wry smile to himself when he sort of saw the players parading the shirt, you mm-hmm. know, and thinking, we beat them in the Coppa Italia later. I think I might do the same.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, and, and, you know that's, that's, how, that's how it should be taken, with a pinch of salt. Yeah, Gattuso's comments were, he just basically smashed into why social media is a terrible thing for humanity, which was, which was typically, typically Gattuso, I guess. Never change, Reno. Never change. Apparently I'm an Irish dictator, which is a bit harsh, I think. A little bit harsh. That's uh, John Delaney, isn't it? (laughs) Let's not talk about him because we'll do a (laughs) podcast on him alone. Uh, Look how happy I am about that, by the way. I There was an amazing... So I say amazing in the loosest sense of the word. We got a response to the Forza Italian Football tweet that went up, a picture of Bakioko and Kessie holding a shirt, and someone said, these are the same people who complain about racism. And Kev, is there a more idiotic take on this situation than that? I
0: was, I was hoping... I was hoping not... Uh, you know, I, I do hope not, but... You know, we've seen it too often that people will will be complaining about this because of the the race of the two individuals that are holding the shirts up, and given the difficulties that we've seen from, well, particularly recently in Italian stadia. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're I, that we shouldn't really particularly dwell on it too much. And
3: now let's let's move on to the result, then, shall we? Because Vito, it was pretty important. Milan beat Lazio and a big result, a big loss for Lazio too because they're now a little bit short of the Champions League places.
4: At this stage, they are. And they do have a catch-up game against Udinese late in the week. So they might be able to get something out of that. But even so, I reckon they needed at least a point from this game. And to lose there, although it was from a penalty, I think it's still detrimental to any hopes of them reaching the Champions League spots. Now it's just made things uh, harder for them to get the Champions League, but I think it still keeps the Europa League battle alive. So at least uh, from my perspective, uh, that makes things uh, more exciting.
3: Mm, the Europa League will be the least they'd expect, really. But Kev, what's happening with Lazio? Because... I know they don't exactly do it all the time against big teams, but this season as a whole, every time I've seen them, basically, I've been quite underwhelmed. And this is a team who who have been so impressive in the last couple of seasons, but they're just not quite doing it this year.
0: Yeah, Shiro Mobley hasn't really been firing. There was a part of me when Philippe Anderson left in the summer thought it might be the right time for him to go because he, he wasn't as... As good last season as he was maybe in the years before that. But, you know, also you've had Luis Alberto's had an up and down season. It's at the top end of the pitch, really, where if, if they'd had more of those big name players firing for them, that maybe they would have picked up the results against their direct competition for the European and Champions League places. Because I think that's where it comes down to. They're, they'll be just behind. Atalanta if they beat Udinese but without actually taking points off those people out bar Roma uh, a couple of weeks ago in direct opposition that's where you're gonna lose ground on them
3: Mm. well to Milan Vito an important win for them keeps them fourth place now six games to go they'll be hoping to just keep doing that between now and the end of the season
4: absolutely I think that there has been some criticism about the style of play throughout the season or a lack of identity. Then at other times, we've sort of, we've talked about how they've been trying to play the ball out of the back and all that. Now it's come to the point where I think they should just be content with the results and just be able to hang on to those Champions League positions because uh, if uh, Roma or Atalanta still get important results in the next six rounds and Milan slip up, I'm sure the way this season is, um, fourth place will still be up for grabs. It won't be a comfortable uh, ride for Milan to just easily hold on to fourth.
3: No, nobody's going to pick up maximum points between end of the season. Everyone's just going to keep dropping them, which is going to make it quite interesting. Kev, your man, Pepe Reina, showed the importance of having a good backup goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, because again, this is... You watched the highlights and it was Lazio that had the better of the attacking chances most of the game. And I thought it was going to be really important to have some with that level of experience behind Donnarumma again. Obviously, there's no Abiati at Milan anymore. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Rainer I, I can't believe he went there once Donnarumma had really resolved his contract issue with Milan because... He's 35, I think maybe approaching 36 this summer, but he's still got a good half decade in him as as a goalkeeper.
3: Yeah, well, he'd be at Napoli if the president and whatever Mm. wasn't always causing problems there, I guess, right? I don't think he actually wanted to leave there, so maybe he just liked staying in Italy and Milan was the only option. Who knows? It's always hard to work out why players make moves. You do kind of forget reasons beyond footballing do play a part as well. But anyway, it is what it is. Let's go to um, Atalanta-Empoli because Atalanta had 47 <laughs> shots. Yep. 47 shots to Empoli's I don't know, one or something and of course that meant the game, finished nil-nil. Oh my god, this is this is a game that I've seen fifteen times this season, but just a more exaggerated version. How, Kev, did the ball not go into that at least once?
0: So I've I've only seen the highlights and the statistics for this. It sounds as though it was more an an absolutely man-of-the-match performance from the opposition goalkeeper as opposed to wastefulness, if you like. Because I think it was
2: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: It hey, was it something like 32 of those shots were on target? I don't like,
3: think it was. No, it was 18, 18, I think, were on target.
0: 18 on out of 47. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was the other, I thought it was somewhere around the other way. Anyway. <laughs> It, it, it is still just astonishing that they can have that many chances. People obviously go on about this expected goals ratios now, and I believe that was something around six.
3: I think it was 6.83. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but, you know, this is sadly probably where Atalanta are going to not quite manage to get any consistency to, to sneak into the Champions
3: League places, I'm to tell you, it's that, that's it, but it, it's against the bad teams that the problems arise. So, Atalanta have to play Juve, Napoli, and someone else. And I fancy it against those teams because they go to war and they take the chances when they play the bigger teams. It's when they play the smaller teams that they don't. But yeah, the, the Emily keeper played well, but not as well as he should have had to for having near 50 shots taken against them. Uh, there were was, was some that there's just no explanation for how the ball didn't go in, really. There was a low shot that Gianluca Mancini back and the goalkeeper just managed to be there. Um, there was another Zapata header at the back post that he missed. But other than that, it was, there was one where those the days. ball
0: got fired across the goal line and mm-hmm. Zapata was inches away from sort of sliding it in. I saw that as well. So that
3: was, was the moment watching. where I thought, okay, yeah, it's. This is nil nil, or else yeah, Empoli wouldn't win The guy no. wasn't it, I mean. yeah. But the referee, I'm not moaning about it, but I just don't really understand the situation because it's it's twice in an Atalanta game I've seen it where it's been nil nil in the last minute and the ref's blown up with about 15 seconds left, and there were four minutes minimum added it on. Empoli wasted about two minutes of it, and it was blown up after like with 40 seconds played. Of it. i I just don't understand this, rule. But oh well. What can he do? Anyway, we'll we'll move on. Oh, Papa Gomez, by the way, he's so good. He's so good. It's the way he moves. and I, I feel sorry for him sometimes because everyone else is terrible compared to him. Even Yossi sometimes is bad compared to him and that says a lot. But Inter, who did they play? They played Frozanone and they won, obviously, because Frozanone are getting relegated. And the question here is, Vito, you know, Mara doesn't take penalties anymore. Why not?
4: Yeah, I find that rather bizarre, to be honest. Maybe it's just a peacemaking move, I can only assume. But uh, it's very odd because usually he does take them. So to see Perisic step up, uh, it is odd. But at the same time, at least Perisic did score it. If he missed, I think it would be an even bigger controversy.
3: I think Icardi took one last week, actually, didn't he? He took one on his return against Genoa. What's happened there? Has That's he done I'm something else?
0: Do. Well, I didn't realise until I saw him celebrating with Perisic. And then I thought, oh, hang on. But...
3: Yeah, I don't know. Um, guys, do we have to talk about Inter this week? The third?
4: No, we can't yeah, I,
3: I'm Yeah, I'm not bothered. I'm really not bothered talking about Inter. So... If you're here for that, come back next week, I guess. To Roma. Roma got a win. They beat Udinese 1-0. And finally, Eden Ngecko scored at the Olympico Vito.
4: was a well-taken goal. Uh, I think it was Pellegrini that played the pass to El Shirari. And then El Shirari just touched into Dzeko's shot. And uh, there was no need for the Bosnian to blast. It was just a technically sound strike and... Uh, Another much-needed win for Roma. Whether they make the Champions League again, I think it's very slim chances, but at least it gives them some hope of playing European football for 2019-2020.
3: Yeah, he was clearly so relieved as well. There was a video, I think it was the AS Roma again, Twitter account that put it up of Jaco just mouthing, Mamma Mia, after scoring it. When Stefan Osharawi went to celebrate with him, which is quite a nice touch because he has struggled this season. But, Kev, they were still quite poor yeah they were
0: it was an awfully wet day in the in the capital, so I don't know if if we can give them any credit for that, but you know they've they've been they just they're just poor you know why they got rid of DiFrancesco, I've said it before as I can hear in your
3: voice <laughs> I, I don't
0: i don't know where they're going i I really don't know where they're going.
3: Now, they're not going anywhere this season it's just a matter of going to the end of the season and then trying to go somewhere else but I don't know Vito any what? more thoughts on this game because I'm kind of bored of yeah. it
0: imagine, imagine what Olson would have done in that uh, those conditions
3: <laughs> he'd have had a field day he would have been he would have, have thrown him into his own net. Uh, I think he might have um, tried to have a little swim and ended up drowning in a six yard box but oh well poor Robin yeah, I think he'd have had a he'd have had a nice day. Vito, any thoughts?
4: is well, no, on the counter attack, so I think if Olsen played, well, there's, there's a vital one, but for me the game itself wasn't the most exciting bit. The most interesting bit was something I stumbled upon before the game. There was a video that the AS Roma can't have put up because a fan had been trolling Chen Dizunga under in a goal compilation. And he said, I could have replicated that goal. So they took the fan to the stadium. They gave him a kit. He had three chances to score that goal. And the third chance, he had just missed the post. But the other times he just slipped up and it was hilarious. I've not seen this. That sounds good. Uh, it's an April 12 uh, video. So it was uploaded on Friday. And, uh, yeah, it's... I think people should go check it out um, without spoiling too much. The guy did not have boots, so that did not help his head <laughs> right. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> That's excellent. I'll watch the video anyway because just the way it pans out, still rather mm. hilarious. Yeah, sometimes
3: that Twitter account is very, very good. Sometimes it's a little bit annoying. Anyway, moving on again. What's left? Fiorentina. What's left? Oh, yeah, Fiorentina.
0: Oh. No, Santander's no. dive
3: um right talk us through it I didn't actually see this game People oh you emoji
0: yeah so uh, the the game is obviously drawing to a conclusion it's not been a particularly great game uh Santander breaks away you think he's gonna have a free run on the on the goal but before you know it uh Lafont is on him he comes out to have a sweep at the ball Santander lays the ball off to the right but then Inexplicably, dives to the floor without being touched. There's a good, there's a good yard between him and the goalkeeper, and I, I, I don't know. I just kept waiting to see them go to VAR and send him off or book him for it. I, I still, not, I'm still not sure because I only watched the highlights. Whether he did get booked for it, but um, yeah, he went down in instalments.
3: I can imagine he's a big, big man.
0: Yeah, uh, you should try and find that as much as Vito's video of the uh, of the water sports in Rome.
3: You're gonna need to link me to that. Oh, sorry. Uh, <sighs> You're gonna need to link me to that because everyone knows my thoughts on Big Federico sitting down there. So I'd quite like to watch it. So please hold it out for me. But Kev, Vincenzo Montella back at the Artemio Frankie, and I don't really know why.
0: No, nor do I. It was. When I saw that, well, I can't remember where I was last week. Oh, I know. I, I I came out of Anfield last week after the Champions League fixture, and I saw that um, I saw that Pioli had gone, and I thought, okay, that's that's great. Well, not great the fact that he's gone, but I thought he's it's it's enough time for an, a new coach to come in and maybe assess what squad he's got there, and then the club can have a real. Think about what they want to do next year, and you know maybe you're going to give it to a young, a, a young coach. And then I thought to myself, no, they've still got the Coppa Italia semi final, so it's a strange time to leave because he could potentially still go out on a high. You know, there's no Juventus who has obviously dominated the competition for the last few years, and then a few days later they announced Montella, which I've not seen whether that is. Uh, You know, a a short-term decision, and he's only there till the end of the season. I haven't seen length of contract. I can't imagine that being the case. But no, exactly. That's what I thought, and I think you know, you're just taking another step back in time because with the players he's got there, I don't see him sort of sparking what he had when he had that that trio of Pizarro. Oh, it was Aquilani and Bora Valero. And then you had, you know, over and Rossi up front. They just, they just not got the squad there for that. So I just don't understand why they've gone back to Montella.
3: No, it is quite strange. And I do still have a lot of sympathy for how things went for him at Milan. And I don't really hold him fully accountable for it. But what's he done since leaving Fiorentina that Fiorentina think he's the man to? Take over because Sevilla was a mess. Mm. Milan wasn't a success. I don't really understand. He'll still it. be
0: paying his contract, though, surely? <laughs> no,
3: it would make sense actually. That wouldn't it? If they quite,
0: in. yeah, it's quite a common occurrence. But mm. um, yeah, I, I don't know whether the owners there want someone that they, you know, maybe they trusted him last time, even though it didn't. It didn't end particularly how they wanted. And 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 we did say. The other week about Di Francesco, it's not you know you've you've either got to allow a coach to learn by his mistakes, and if Montella has made mistakes at Fiorentina, at Milan, and Seville, then maybe he comes back and he is going to be a different coach for them because he's learnt from the mistakes that he made, or you know how he how he liaised with club hierarchy and things.
3: Yeah, this is I think that's quite true, but it's something that we always forget as well. is like players and coaches do change, as so. they... They go along, so maybe he's learned from his recent errors. You don't know. We won't know until we see how his team actually play. I just thought we should probably give Stefano Pioli a bit of a nod because it had gone a bit stale from there. But the we saw some Fiorentina fans tweeting about it. The way he managed the whole situation <laughs> with the Astori passing last season, he deserves a lot of credit for that. And Fiorentina oh, fans, I think
0: you you see that because they're almost the the figurehead of a club above the owners above maybe a a particular player um whatever the the circumstances around a tragedy it does take an emotional toll on on the person that has to be the the front of any you know media interviews you know they're the ones that have got the cameras thrust in their face particularly in the current um current era when when anything like that happens to a football club, so yeah, he deserves a lot of credit for how he, how he, how he, how he did do that.
3: Um, yeah, take, take on that role for the club. I think the the curva were singing his name as well during the end, which is a nice touch for them to acknowledge on a human level what he did for that club, and I guess this, the whole city really. It was really hit by it, but um, we've had a comment to say I'll miss his purple turtleneck, which I really will too, because I thought Pioli looked amazing in the the purple Fiorentina gear. It was fantastic, but sadly it's it's no more. But he'll get a job; he'll be fine. He won't be out of work for too long. But he's already been at Lazio, Inter, and Fiorentina, so it's hard to see what happens for him next. Does he? Does Roman. he go abroad?
1: <laughs> yeah, it will,
3: it'll be available, won't it? It will be available. Could. Could he?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who takes him abroad, other than you know. I suppose we're looking at the Spanish league because I can't see he he doesn't really have that profile for maybe a Premier League club to 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 go for him.
3: He'd end up with someone like West Ham if he went to the the Premier League, yeah.
0: wouldn't he? Um, I suppose Rudy
3: Garcia went off to Liga Un. Yeah, I don't know. It is it, it's just a strange. Maybe he'll end up at Parma. I know he played there for a bit, so he might end up here with me. We could be friends, me and Stefano. Get Who matching knows? turtlenecks. We could do. I'm not sure I could pull it off quite as well as him. My skin's a little too pale for that, I reckon. But I'd give it a go if Stefano was buying. Just like Vito did have to drop out. I don't know what's happened, but Vito had to leave. So hopefully everything's okay there. I don't think there's anything left for us to talk about. Is it Torino played? They drew. Um, Multiple red cards, yeah. Yeah, Niccolò Barella. Yeah. It's his one flaw, isn't it? He's it just is a
0: hothead. It's And he's 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 gotta get that out of his game sooner rather than later. Yeah. Because
3: it would turn big clubs off getting them, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, and also I'm just thinking about the Euros are only what, fifteen months away and international referees particularly in tournaments are slightly more or less forgiving than maybe domestic referees and if if Italy are going to do anything at that competition then Mancini is going to need players that particularly you know midfield where you're going to you know need to control the game he's going to want players that he can he can trust not to do anything a little rash and you know the, the the player was you know moving towards the edge of the box, but he was going nowhere. He just even Barella, the speed he came at, he came from nowhere just to just clatter into them. It was it was reckless.
3: Yeah, he does have that in him though, and even when he's not involved in a tackle, he he loves getting involved too. But.
0: And he's aware of it. I've seen interviews where he said, "Oh, you know, this is a weakness of my game. You know, it's something I've got," and then he doesn't. He doesn't
3: do anything about it. Yeah, I know what you mean. But when you when you play football, it happens, right? You, you can know you're angry, but then um... a decision goes against your team and you still lose it anyway, even though you know you shouldn't. It happens. but He's still a top player. And I, I think whatever happens, he should be starting for Italy at the Euros next summer, mm-hmm. provided there. there. So, I like him. I think that's it. Shall we... I don't know, Kev. Have you seen what's been going on in Serie B lately? Because it looks like it's a lot of fun down there. Um, There was a big game this weekend. Benevento played Palermo in a game that Benevento really, really had to win at home. They lost 2-1. And Palermo are now well-placed to really challenge. So the top three are now. Brescia. Brescia look like they're up, basically. Lecce are second. And Palermo are a point behind them with a game in hand. So it will be those three challenging for the top two you would imagine. And then we've got Benevento Pescara, Verona, Spezia, Citarella, Perugia, all fighting it out for the playoff places. So, it's going to be interesting there again. Brescia coming back up will be, from an Atalanta perspective, tasty, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, I've, um, I must admit, I I haven't paid too much attention other than when I'm looking for trips over to Italy (laughs) because I'm, I'm, I'm desperate to uh desperate to go and check out the uh, Venezia um uh, stadium. And I think on the 1st May Bank Holiday they've got Pescara which would obviously have something riding on it with regards to the um the uh, promotion from Serie B, but I'm yet to decide where I'm going. So
3: I uh... oh, do if it's at all possible go because they're going to move out of there and it's it's a little dump but it's it's nice. It's really nice to watch football there.
0: Palma Samp Dory is still on the cards for that weekend, so
3: Oh, with me.
0: Yes. Well, yeah, Am I'd... I at that game? Let me just I don't know. I potentially know. have the
3: wife with me, so it wouldn't be with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean, but you be you I am at Parma Samp. So okay. If you're here, we'll, I'll show you some some nice local foods, nice local restaurants. It'd be a good time. Um all right. F- oh, by the way, while we're talking about Serie B, everyone go over to Serie A FFC on Twitter and look at the video of Foggia's fans from Venezia at the weekend because it's ridiculous what they got up to. The the flares, the smoke bombs, there's a thick cloud of black smoke. You just can't see anything. That's just amazing. And this is why teams like that should come to Serie A, just to make things a little bit crazy because sorry, our fans are mad but they're not Foggia mad so they'd be a welcome addition but it's not happening this year because they're some way away from the playoff places but anything else to add Kev?
0: No, I don't think so Connor it's been a relatively quiet weekend
3: hmm. It was, we still managed to ramble on for an hour What, mm. what club deserves to have the outro music this week? I'll let you decide
0: Oh. Wow, Chievo did leave us.
3: Yeah. Will we do Chievo? Let's
0: do Chievo.
3: All right, then. And on that note, head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com for all of your Serie A news, your match coverage. Remember, we're at the games every single week. Uh, what else have we got? We've got Instagram at com, or no, at Italian football, which is actually really good to follow on a match day because It's fun. Twitter at Serie I F C, Facebook at Forza Italian Football. Me and Kev are both on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, and so too is Vito Doria, so get us there. Until next week, Kev, it's goodbye from me.
0: And goodbye from me. <laughs>
1: Siamo una Cuore di chi sa che lottando vincerà. Tutti insieme uniti, la mafra senza età. Che barriere più non ha.